and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. September is World Alzheimer's Month, and we want to recognize the impacts of Alzheimer's on the lives of people affected by the condition and the stigma that surrounds it. Nearly 50 million people worldwide live with dementia, affecting not only those who live with the condition, but their friends, families, and caretakers. An important step with any diagnosis is to address the planning needs of people diagnosed with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. Last time on Ready, Set, Retire, we did talk about Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia and and what to look for in terms of the early signs or, or looking for symptoms of your loved ones. And really as a financial team, I mean, we can really help address the planning needs for your loved ones. And we're often having those conversations with clients, unfortunately. We're trying to get them prepared, get them organized, make sure that their wills are up to date, power of attorney, things like that. And it can be a difficult conversation when a couple or somebody comes to me to tell me that they've been diagnosed. But I can't tell you enough how important it is to educate yourself, educate your loved ones and encourage people that have forms of dementia to be somewhat open with it. This is not something that you should keep a secret and it's, it's important to talk about it. And also, we want to talk to Jen today as well from the Alzheimer's Society of BC to talk about how to keep up your mental health, right? You can still have fun when you have that early diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And it's important to continue to learn, keep up your mental health, exercise, all those sorts of things, John, are just so important. Indeed. uh, Today on Ready, Set, Retire, we're continuing our conversation in support of World Alzheimer's Month of September and are joined by special guest Jen Lyle to talk about how to care for someone living with Alzheimer's disease or another dementia. Jen is uh, joining us from the Alzheimer's Society of B.C., where they envision a world without Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. And that world begins with a more dementia-friendly society where people affected by dementia are acknowledged, supported, and included. And Jen, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time today on Ready, Set, Retire. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Let's uh, start with the basics. What is Alzheimer's disease and why should Canadians be concerned about it? Alzheimer's disease is one of many chronic neurodegenerative diseases that fall under the umbrella term of dementia. So much like we use the term cancer as an umbrella term for many different types of cancer, uh, dementia is the umbrella term for many different types of neurodegenerative diseases, of which Alzheimer's disease is one. Alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia, so it accounts for about 60 to 80% of all diagnoses, and symptoms include things like memory loss, maybe short-term or, and long-term, um, difficulties with thinking and problem-solving or language that are severe enough to reduce the person's ability to perform everyday activities, and changes in mood or behavior. 
There are other forms of dementia. So for example, frontotemporal dementia, Lewy body and vascular dementia. But all in all, dementia is a progressive illness with no known cure. And the reason why people should care about this is there's currently over uh, 500,000 Canadians living with dementia in Canada right now. And that number is expected to almost double by 2030. Uh, we have about 76,000 Canadians who are diagnosed with dementia every year. And here in BC, we have at least 70,000 British Columbians who are currently living with dementia. Tell me a little bit uh, more about what your organization does to help people with dementia and to bring assistance to their families. Well, yeah, as you mentioned in your lead up, our vision is really about creating a world without Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. And that world really begins with creating more dementia friendly province where people are, uh, you know, acknowledged and supported and included. So for us, really, what we're focused on is changing, changing things around the conversation about dementia through raising awareness of the disease and challenging stigma. We want to change the experience of the disease by ensuring people can connect to programs and services offered through First Link Dementia Support. We want to change the practice of how people work with and care for individuals with a dementia by focusing on education for healthcare providers. And we want to change the policy related to dementia and ensuring that the voices of people with lived experience inform that policy. And then finally, we focus on changing the future through supporting research into Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Well, that's great. You know, the work that you're putting in to help people with Alzheimer's or various forms of dementia. Again, we're really happy that you're here today and willing to discuss all of this with us because I know that when I'm sitting in a room with a couple where I can see some of the early signs of Alzheimer's, how do you approach families or loved ones when you think that there could be early signs of Alzheimer's? And so with it being Alzheimer's month, how is it being recognized, I guess? And, and also, do you have any suggestions on how listeners can get involved, how they can help, how they can learn more as well? Yeah, well, you know, World Alzheimer's Month is recognized internationally in September, and it's really a fantastic opportunity to learn more about the disease and the impact it has on people in, in their lives. So maybe they know somebody who's affected by dementia, but also also to the people who live in their communities. So this month, what we've been doing here at the Alzheimer's Society of BC has really been taking the opportunity to call attention to the many challenges that British Columbians living with dementia, their caregivers and their families have experienced over the past year. And I would say to anybody who's listening, the biggest thing that you can do to recognize World Alzheimer's Month is to seek out information. So go to resources offered by the Alzheimer's Society of BC, for example, and then share what you've learned. Share that knowledge with the people in your life. If you have somebody in your life, somebody in your family, and you suspect that uh, Alzheimer's might be becoming an issue, how do you broach that subject? How do you approach that person with your uh, viewpoint or your concern? It can be a really difficult conversation to have. So, you know, you if you have someone in your life and you've noticed some changes, maybe they've started to have some problems with their memory or there's some changes to their mood or personality that you've noticed. It can be really hard to broach the topic with people and it can be scary. I think it's also important to to realize too that not everybody may be ready to accept what is happening to them. So that can make that conversation really challenging. And I would say the best thing that a person can do if they suspect someone in their life is Alzheimer's disease or another type of dementia is to reach out to the Alzheimer's Society BC to learn more and speak with a member of our support staff because our staff can talk people through how to have those conversations with the person. So I'd really encourage your listeners to call the First Link Dementia Helpline to learn more. It's a free service. The number is 1-800-936-6033. 
and they can help get some guidance in terms of how to go about having that conversation. How do you differentiate between the memory loss that is part of the aging process and memory loss due to Alzheimer's or dementia? It's really tricky because I think it's really important for your listeners to understand that dementia is not a normal part of aging. So you know, the classic, I can't remember where I put my keys down, is that a sign of Alzheimer's disease by itself? No. Um, and I think it's really critical when you, if you have questions, if you, if you feel like you are seeing some of those signs of dementia, so mood or personality change, um, some substantial memory challenges, short term and long term that are starting to impact your ability to function in daily life, that you make an appointment with your family doctor and that in that appointment, when you go into that, that you're open and you're honest in answering any questions that your doctor may have. How is it diagnosed? So the first step is really getting in to see your family doctor if you have one. And typically what will happen is you'll go in, you'll have a, a list of some of the things that you've noticed. So you'll have that discussion with your, your care provider to talk about some of the observations, some of the symptoms that you've been struggling with. It's really important to note that only a qualified healthcare provider like a doctor or specialist can make an official diagnosis of dementia. So the more information you have that you can walk into that first appointment with, the easier it is. The other thing to know, though, is that it can often take a long time to get a diagnosis. You may have to take some additional tests, so you might be referred to a memory clinic or to another type of specialist. And the reason being is that there isn't any one specific test that can diagnose for dementia. There's a lot of really promising research out there right now, but um, if your doctor suspects dementia after your initial assessment, you'll most likely undergo a number of physical or cognitive exams thereafter. And it's sort of the totality of that information that will help line up and, and say, yes, this is this is dementia or, you know, no, this is something else. So it's a combination of those test results, the detailed medical history. And then with that information, your doctor should be able to give you an official diagnosis. And at this point, what we would really encourage people to do is to reach out to the Alzheimer's Society BC so that you can be connected with the programs and services that will help you uh, as you progress through the disease. Just on a side note, I know that you're not a doctor, but are there things that people can do to slow the process of Alzheimer's? Are there pills that people can take? Is there anything that uh, one can do? Yeah, actually, there's lots. So... Um, and I think, I think that re that's really important for people to remember as just a good rule is that generally speaking, what's good for the heart is good for the head. So things like physical activities, staying connected in your community, maintaining those social connections. The Alzheimer's Society BC, for example, offers Minds in Motion, which is a social and fitness program meant for people in the early stages of the disease. And you can do it with your care partner. And what's really great about that program is you have 45 minutes of guided exercise led by an accredited fitness instructor, followed by structured social activities. Things like that can help slow the progression. Um, and they can also have a benefit for the caregivers as well, because it allows for connecting with other people who are going through a similar journey and helps them build their own support network, which is really important. Yeah, super important. I mean, we interviewed the care coordinator at the West Vancouver Senior Center, and they also have a lot of programs. And I would assume a lot of community type centers would have programs probably for people with Alzheimer's and to, again, maybe earlier stages, but again, staying active and uh, keeping your mental health up is, is just as important. And so, 
Here on Ready, Set, Retire, we often focus on estate planning. I, I talk about it a lot uh, because it's important. And uh, a lot, frankly, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. And so when I talk about updating your will, your power of attorney, strategically planning things like your investment accounts to make sure they're all in one place. So keep it as simple as possible for your family or caregivers. Are there any other recommendations you would have for the caretakers and families of people with Alzheimer's? Yes, definitely. So I'm reflecting on a conversation I had with an individual a few weeks ago who is currently on the dementia journey himself. And one of the things that he said he lives by is don't be scared, be prepared. And that's a really good mantra to live by when you're facing a diagnosis of dementia. It can be really scary, but the most important thing that you can do is once you have the diagnosis, start the process of planning as soon as you can and totally understand that it can take people a little bit of time for them to fully understand and accept what is happening to them. But planning ahead is really, really important. And as a good starting point, people should look at things like putting together an advanced care plan. So, you know, for example, what sort of medical interventions are you going to be okay with and when? And part of that, too, also involves determining a substitute decision maker. So when you're going about creating that advanced care plan, it's really about thinking about what's important to you. It's about learning about the different medical procedures and what they can or can't do. Deciding on a substitute decision maker, which is really important. So someone who is willing and able to speak for you if you can't speak for yourself. And then talking about your wishes with those who are closest to you, making it known, and then finally recording it. So writing it down. And the Alzheimer's Society of BC, can we can help you figure out what sort of legal documents are available for you to help you in that process. And similarly, if you're based in a different province across Canada, your local Alzheimer's Society will be able to point you in the right direction. The pandemic has affected all of us just a little bit differently. But how has this pandemic affected people living with and caring for those with Alzheimer's? The pandemic has impacted people affected by dementia pretty profoundly. I mean, you just have to look at the statistics that came out of Statistics Canada recently and, and see the profound impact that people have experienced. So, for example, um, just over a third of people who died from COVID-19 last year were also living with dementia. So it's been it's been profound. And above and beyond the health impact, you know, people affected by dementia have experienced isolation. They've experienced uncertainty. They've lost access to many of the services they've depended on. So, for example, they've seen cuts to the level of home support they had access to. They saw the cancellation of respite programs, the suspension of day programs. So it's been pretty profound. And then you layer on top of that the events of this past summer here in BC with wildfires and heat waves. It's just sort of layered more stress on top of an already stressful and challenging situation. But really what it's done, the pandemic and these past events over the summer has highlighted the necessity for people living with dementia to have human connection. And also importantly, to be seen as people with needs and rights. And that's really at the heart of our message is that people who are living with dementia have to have a role in shaping the policies that will affect them to ensure that those policies are reflective of their changing needs in an uncertain world. So I want to talk a little bit about those caring for people with Alzheimer's and also maybe get some advice for how people can take care of themselves that are put in that situation uh, when they're caring for somebody. Uh, because I have seen it firsthand with my uncle who had uh, Alzheimer's for uh, close to 17 years, very, very long period of time, longer than I've ever seen. And my aunt was there to help and had him at home for a very long time as well, many, many years. And I could just see how difficult it was becoming. And so I guess the first question I have is, 
what would be a good time or what is that sign to tell you that maybe it's time to increase care for someone with Alzheimer's? And then number two, probably just as a caretaker, how do you care for yourself when you're in such a stressful situation? I think a lot of people start forgetting about them and just really focusing on their spouse or their mother or father or whoever's been diagnosed. Thanks so much for sharing your story there, Laurie. And I would say that your aunt's experience is not unique. So to your first question around when should you get help, you know, providing support to somebody who's living with dementia can be a 24-7 job. And I would say even if you feel like you don't need the help right now, ask for it anyways. Take a break, take a breather, because it can be all-consuming. And what we often see, unfortunately, is caregivers will get to the point of burnout without even fully recognizing that they've already gone down that path. So even if you feel like you don't need the help, ask for it anyways. Ask for family members, ask for friends, take advantage of those community programs that'll provide respite and relief from caregiving, practical help with meals or housework, those sorts of things. Go and ask. And I would say too, you know, as a person who's in that caregiving role, even though it feels like your own needs take a back seat to the person you're supporting a lot of the time, at a minimum, make sure you stay in touch with your family doctor and that you're going in for those health checkups and you're having an opportunity to check in with yourself to make sure that you're still doing okay because you can't be there to support the person you love or support the person in your life who is living with dementia if you yourself are not okay. And of course, I would also say too, like we've got some great services offered by the Alzheimer's Society BC, like our first link dementia helpline. We have support groups that are there to help caregivers manage stress. We have education specifically focused on building caregiver resilience. And if you're looking for connections to those sorts of practical supports in your communities, we can help you make those connections too. Just a question about when it comes time to place a person with Alzheimer's in a facility, how available are they? How much support is there? And do you find it to be a difficult process for people? It can really vary depending on where you live. And part of it is just the availability of those sorts of supports in your community. I would say that the Alzheimer's Society BC has an information series actually on making the transition to long-term care. And I would encourage people to, to educate yourselves, to sign up for that webinar and learn more about what that transition looks like. When people are moving into that transition, though, it's not uncommon, especially for the person who's been functioning as the primary caregiver, to feel some pretty intense feelings. Um, we see people experience guilt. We see people experience relief. Um, we see people experience fear. There's the question of, could the people in that long-term care home ever take care of my loved one as good as I could? Um, so it can be a pretty intense time, and that's why I really strongly encourage people to get connected to support groups, because there are people who have gone through it, and they can share their stories with you and you know give you feedback or at least offer you an empathetic ear. And similarly, get educated. So check out the websites, check out the webinars we offer on our website. It's just alzheimerbc.org, and learn more about what that transition to long-term care can look like. I mentioned in the introduction that uh, your organization, uh, Alzheimer's Society of BC, was looking forward to a more dementia-friendly society. What does that look like in your view? You know, really simply put, a dementia-friendly society is one in which people who are affected by dementia can live their lives the way they see fit. They can find joy. They find fulfillment. They find meaning. Like These are all the things that we take for granted. You know, when we're cognitively able, we take for granted the fact that I can choose what I want to eat for breakfast this morning. I can choose what clothes I put on my body. I can choose when I have a shower. 
And when we're talking about a dementia-inclusive or dementia-friendly province, that's really what it means at the heart of it. And what are the impediments to that right now? What's stopping that from happening? It's a great question, and it's a complex one, I would say. I think one of the big things we still struggle with in our society is that, in many ways, it's one of the last socially acceptable isms to have. You know, the the stigma that we attach to dementia, the ableism that we attach to dementia, we assume a lot about people who are affected by dementia. We assume people living with dementia can't make decisions for themselves. They have no ability to have a say in their day. And that's just not true. So I think we really need to get to the heart of that ableism. And I would call it what it is. It is a form of ableism and ageism too, to address that. I also think too, that from a practical standpoint, we still have some significant challenges when it comes to ensuring people living with dementia in the community have access to adequate community-based supports. And I'm talking about the basics. So access to respite care, access to day programs, access to home support. Um, those are still ongoing challenges. We've definitely made some progress, but there's some pieces there we still need to unpack. And then two, there's a role for all of us. We should all be educated and aware in terms of how we can interact and include people who are living with dementia in our communities so that if someone I know is diagnosed with dementia, I'm not excluding them from the dinner coming up because I feel like it'll be socially awkward. I find a way to include them, even if they are living with dementia. I can't tell you how important the subject is to me personally, professionally, with the age group that I deal with. And I find all this advice that you're providing us today um, very insightful and, and very useful. Unfortunately, with, you know, again, I'm dealing with people six, age 60 to 95. I would say at least once a month, I'm being told that somebody may have Alzheimer's or I see it myself, some of those early signs. And so again, education, I think is number one. And speaking to professionals like yourself, who really know the ins and outs, I think it's very helpful to a lot of people. And so is there any way to get involved? Is there a way that people can volunteer, things like that, to raise money or to raise awareness for Alzheimer's? Absolutely. And so I would say, uh, for one, be an advocate. And to be an advocate, you need to be educated. So I would say get educated and then be an advocate. Be an advocate for people who are living with dementia, people who are affected by dementia. So that includes those who are supporting people living with dementia. You can get involved with the Alzheimer's Society of BC as a volunteer. We love having volunteers. We have some fantastic programs and initiatives that are volunteer-led, so there's always opportunity there. And similarly, there's always an opportunity to support fundraising efforts. And I will say for the Alzheimer's Society of BC, when you support us through through donations or through fundraising uh, efforts, it goes to things like Minds in Motion, which we offer virtually, by the way. That's a, that was an interesting outgrowth of our pandemic response. But things like practical support programs for people living with dementia, support groups for caregivers, including ones that are, are, you know, geared towards specific groups, LGBTQ plus, for example. Um, but also research. So there's an opportunity to get involved from a fundraising perspective. Uh, and then too, as you pointed out as well, Lori, there is always an opportunity to just learn. Learn and share what you've learned with the people in your life. And you can do that by going to alzheimerbc.org. You mentioned research, and I just wanted to touch on that for a moment. Where are we? Where is the medical community and the, the research community in terms of finding treatments, finding cures, that sort of thing? 
it's still it, in many ways it's a it's a challenging landscape and it's a promising landscape. So we've had some some recent headline uh, breakthroughs, for example, with aducanumab that's come down the development pipeline. Of course, this, you know there's still ongoing research looking into that. Um, there are other potential candidates that are coming down the development pipeline as well that are similar to aducanumab. Um, there are also other treatments that are not that are looking at different aspects of the disease. But also importantly, too, there's some great research happening looking at how to improve the quality of life of people who are living with dementia now. And that's critically important because those 70,000 British Columbians who are currently living with dementia now, we owe it to them so that they can live a meaningful and fulfilling life right through to the end of their journey. So, you know, like I said, in some ways, it's it's a challenging landscape in that there at times it feels that there's been very little progress in the search for a cure but at the other on the other hand it's a very rich landscape in terms of the activities looking at those quality of life improvement factors that we can take into account and as i said some of the the recent developments that have happened on the treatment front well if you have a parent or grandparent who's been impacted by the disease or if you yourself are experiencing it then you know how debilitating it can be In these challenging and uncertain moments, it's helpful to have strength and support from a community of people, including your financial team, who understand what you're going through. Yeah, you know, our role extends far beyond financial planning and portfolio management. You know, we see it as our duty to not only know our clients, but also assist them through these types of challenges as they emerge and their families as well. You know, it's important for advisors, people around you to show empathy and understanding in that planning process. So you as a client or you as a person are able to have that open communication and prepare for the future and prepare for now. Like I said, I mean, having that kind of open and honest discussion with your financial advisor, try not to keep it a secret with you and your spouse, because I've seen that as well. You know, and again, I'm starting to know to some of the signs and there's uh, things we can do to make sure that we're organized for you as well. So it's important to talk to us and remember everything is confidential too when you talk to a financial advisor. So hopefully you're dealing with one that you can lean on and ask these sorts of questions and bring them into the conversation. If you have any concerns with a loved one, then as uh, Jen was telling us, there's many places you can go to get some help, to educate yourself and, and move forward. And Jen, we always like to wrap up uh, Ready, Set, Retire with uh, a quote or at least a, a parting thought. And uh, that task falls to you this week. What I would say is that ultimately no one should have to face Alzheimer's disease or other forms of dementia alone. And that's really what the Alzheimer's Society of BC is here to support. We're here to support people affected by the disease, no matter where they are in the province. And Laura, you have something to add? This one I thought went a long way. We remember their love when they can no longer remember. And to learn more about World Alzheimer's Month, you can check out www.alzheimerbc.org. We want to thank Jen Lyle from the Alzheimer's Society of BC for joining us on Ready, Set, Retire. Thank you for your insights and your information today. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.